Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to Faster Masters Rowing Radio, where having a rowing coach only makes you better. Following a program gives you a true pathway to becoming a confident rower who's respected by your peers. You can become the athlete you want to row with. I'm Rebecca Caro, and firstly, I'd like to say my photo of the day is a dedication to Her Majesty the Queen, who passed and died last night, and to say how much I miss her. She's been the queen for the whole of my life, and this really feels like a moment in history. And now wow. on. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, Rebecca. And I have to say, my grandmother had a picture of the queen in her kitchen oh. all of my life, all of her life and my life growing up as well. And being in Canada, I'm, you know, it, it largely impacts. I think Canadian society as well. Yeah, I think uh, there's an awful lot that will be said, but also those of us who had the privilege of seeing her, meeting her, um, know what our own memories are. And for me, I think that's the most positive thing. Now, this past week is when we talk about the things that we've been doing to generally advocate for Masters Rowing. And for myself, I have been endlessly reshuffling regatta entries because we have people ill and injured and this and that and the other and some extremely loyal and lovely and willing people to step into shoes of others who um, cannot be at the regatta uh, and I'm really looking forward to it actually it's uh, been a long time coming because this time last year Auckland the province that I live in had a lockdown and we couldn't go to the national championships and the rest of the country did. What have you been up to? Well, our club got a brand new dock, which was kind of exciting. And, you know, being as, you know, those people who put endless volunteer hours into helping grow clubs, um, you know, it's quite, quite a big step for, for our club. And, you know, we were very fortunate to, um, to get a grant from a local foundation that supports a lot of community projects. And um, they installed a beautiful dock. Um, so we're very excited about that. And, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting how another piece of infrastructure really starts to change the culture of the club. And our club is a very, our club is a very young club, as people know, as we've talked about. And um, you know, bringing a dock into the scenario, it doesn't sound like a big thing at first, but, you know, you start to feel like, oh, okay, well, now we have to learn skills related to this, right? We have to learn mm -hmm. etiquette. We have to learn how to get in and out from a dock, which is very different from a, from a wet launch. Um, mm -hmm. What's the traffic pattern? What's the protocol? You know, and these, these are, it's, it's kind of fun teaching people about this because it's a whole different element for those people who didn't, for example, row in university mm. or row in a scholastic program, you know, it's it's something new coming in as a master's into a rowing club when you haven't had this kind of formal mm. Mm. training and the etiquette and the culture of rowing and how things are done. And, you know, this has been kind of a really fun, fun step to bring people to the next level of of their sculling, even if it is going in and out of a dock. So it's kind of, you know, it's been quite, quite fun. Well, that's a really, congratulations, because I'm sure there is an enormous amount of hard work that goes in before something like that physically appears. 
Absolutely. So anyway, so that's been exciting for us. And, uh, you know, we, we want to keep the momentum going and, you know, keep keep the club building. And I noticed something when we were down at Carapiro last weekend. We had a, a warm-up regatta, and uh, they have changed the mat- non-slip matting on the launch pontoon. So the way they work is that there is a sliding ramp that comes down from the edge of the lake, and then the pontoon rests on the water. Because it's a hydro dam, the water level varies. And um, we, thanks to Kevin at our club, purchased this non-slip matting a couple of years ago, and it's brilliant and it is it has holes in it so the water drains through um but it's really it has enough texture to grip but not so much that it's super rough and it they clearly heard about it as well i hope from us it's if anyone's interested it's called aco plus a-k-o plus and the supplier the manufacturer is a german company called koikman k-o-i-c-k M-A-N-N dot D-E. And they often supply it for things like ski lodges, you know, places where there is, um, you know, the weather affects where you're walking and you need to ensure that you won't slip over. It's extremely good. And I recommend it to anyone. Yeah, well, that's a that can be a big issue if clubs have wooden, especially if you have a wooden dock and there's dew or the dock is wet or there's a little bit of an angle. Um, you know, it can be quite easy to slip on docks, which... Are not it's not fun <laughs> or in our case covered in goose and swan poo that's true that is definitely true so you know all of these obstacles we have to we have to deal with our part of rowing right so now our sponsor this week is a brand new course which we are delighted to announce today it is the sculling intensive course it's one week of tuition led by me rebecca caro The entire course is virtual and the way it works through the whole week is each evening, US time, we'll be having Zoom meetings where we will run through the lesson plan for the following day, which you will download, print and take in the boat with you. And then that evening we will meet again and download and talk and understand and interpret what you have learned. The curriculum runs through the full rowing stroke cycle. So this is a technique course and it's designed for people who want more confidence in a single skull. It's not suitable for complete beginners. You really do need to be able to get into a boat on your own and row maybe 2000 meters in a single. If you can do that, then this course is suitable for you. You don't have to be able to, for example, row square blades or get your blades off the water. No, this is fine. It's a beginner through intermediate sculling course. If you watch your inbox tomorrow, Saturday, the 10th of September, sorry, two days time, US, uh, you will receive an email if you are on our newsletter subscription list and all the details will be in there. We are opening this first to people who are on our newsletter list before we publicize the course more widely because spaces are limited and we would like to actually favor the people who are already listening to Faster Masters, already receiving our newsletter. I will, however, advertise it more broadly in the middle of next week. The dates are during October, so there's plenty of time to book. 
And I very much look forward to meeting all of these intrepid beginner through intermediate scholars when we start the sculling intensive course. Now this week, we have a very special guest. It's important for so many rowers that we actually have coxswains who can look after us when we are in our coxed big boats. And I'm delighted to welcome to the podcast, Katie Smith. Hi, Katie. Hi, it's very nice to meet everybody and I'm glad to be here. Now tell everyone a little bit about you and your background in rowing. So um, I actually started rowing at the Westside Rowing Club in Buffalo, New York. Um, I started in a seventh grade um, summer program and I was a little too short to be able to um, like keep up with the taller kids. So I, they thought I was the perfect size to sit in the coxswain seat. And um, so that I started there. I coxed all through high school um, at the Westside Rowing Club, and I coxed in college. Um, I actually went to Edinburgh University in Pennsylvania, but I coxed for Mercyhurst for their alumni program. Wow. And after that, I graduated, moved back to Buffalo, um, went to Buffalo Scholastic Rowing Association, stayed there for a while, and then relocated to North Carolina with my husband and my two dogs to get a job down here. And I've landed with the Asheville Rowing Club, and I'm now um, one of the main coxswains there. There's only three of us right now. So we're in a good recruiting phase and just, you know, really glad to be a part of this um, sport for so long. It's such an important you know, part of my existence. Well, Katie, Katie will be surprised to know that I was on the first women's crew at Westside Rowing Club in 1977. Wow. So Westside Rowing Club in Buffalo is where I started rowing. And uh, 1977 was the first year that they had girls crew. So I did, I rowed all through high school for Westside as well. That's that's awesome. You know, <laughs> you know, West Westside was where I started, and they're near and dear to my heart. So, absolutely, a lot of good coaches come out of Westside. By the way, Tom Terhar from the U.S. Women mm -hmm. Buffalo Westside guy. So, it's great to have pedigree like that. And trust me, Katie, it happens all the time. Marlene A has been everywhere, and B seems to have rode <laughs> with everybody. So, you know. I'd just like to say you're not special, but cool. <laughs> she is special. Everyone from about, Buffalo is special. <laughs> so. Tell us about the Masters squad that you have at Asheville Rowing Club, Katie. Uh, so right now we have uh, a pretty significant sized team. Uh, there's We have enough for probably about two women's eights, and then we're still working on building our men's eight right now. Uh, we have a couple of, um, like, I would say there's specialized sculling groups that kind of hang out on the lake. Um, and we've actually been really lucky. We've had some good, good coaches and stuff come through. But um, we're just we're just a small group that likes to hang out on Lake Julian. And, you know, we do go to races and stuff. So it's a very interesting, interesting group of people. Masters always are. You never yeah. ever have a boring group of masters, in my opinion. 
Now, the reason we were really keen to get you on the show was people who are regular listeners will remember that we did a survey at the back end of 2021 um, called the State of Masters Rowing. And in it, there was an opportunity to tell us a little bit more or um, give us insight into your own particular situation. And Katie wrote such an interesting answer that we ended up in a bit of an email back and forth. <laughs> um, and she is passionate about Cox development. So one of the, if I understand correctly, there is a problem, which is that there is insufficient support for developing Cox's Katie. So what have you seen of that in your rowing life? So even as a young coxswain starting off in like the eighth grade and high school level, um, most of my coaches had never coxed before. They were kind of, you know, you were thrown in and kind of shown how to steer, but you and you were given some commands to give to your crew, but you weren't really developed into your like leader. I'll call it a leadership style to be able to kind of take your crew and kind of like earn their trust and motivate them and stuff and. You know, I went through the level two um, U.S. rowing coach certification, and there was very limited discussion about coxes in general. Um, so it just became a kind of a like a soft spot with me that, you know, if we're going to have this important role that we should be developing the leadership skills of these individuals who really are like the coach inside the boat totally agree with that so what yeah identifying the problems the first thing now you're better placed than me what do you think is some of the things that we can do that can develop coxes and let's start our discussion around coaches when you actually have a coach who is working with a crew do you have ideas so I think every coach needs to minimally sit in that seat once, whether it's, you know, in an eight or in a four. Um, I know there's, you know, those that size qualification too, that you might be a little too big to sit, you know, like actually fit in the physical seat, but kind of just, you know, be in that spot to learn the steering and, um, you know, kind of learn the commands and everything. So it's kind of, I think coaches need to start with learning what the role does instead of just, you know, allocating people to do it. And, you know, there's no, you, you can't just jump in. It's not something that you can just jump in and be like, okay, here you go and send somebody off. Cause you know, there's, you're, going to get hurt and danger and safety and there's like so much you have to think about and so I think I would start with you know making sure that every coach actually kind of develops those skills themselves like learns the steering and learns the commands that need to be given and um, they can take their younger coxswains or in in my case the older group that mm -hmm. kind of jumps in and maybe gets injured and ends up having to sit out the actual rowing for a while. So we put them in as a cox, but um, kind of starting there and then moving mm -hmm. forward into the more uh, finessed skills of, you know, can you keep your line and your point? And, you know, are you able to do the technical corrections on skills? And 
um, can you race prep and that that probably comes later but just basically you know start with the basics like learn how to steer the boat and learn how to you know safely get it down to your dock safely get it back into the boathouse start there definitely start there and uh regular listeners will remember that I got a rowing hat published on Row 2K this year and that is called the coxswain seat plank and it is literally a plank of wood across the gunnels where we actually screwed a sculling seat into it so there's a little bit of comfort to sit on but it's perfect for the coxswain who is too large to fit in the available space your coach for example (laughs) well I think Katie you make such a good point too because Think about just an inexperienced people going, a person going into Cox and eight and eight going at a high speed. And all of a sudden you have to stop or you have to turn and you have to understand how to estimate these distances or deal with unexpected wind. I mean, you know, there, I think the coxswain is so responsible for safety is such a huge issue. Yeah. Um, Safety is a big thing. Like, I mean, I think a lot of rowers even take us for granted, but, you know, we're aware of everything going on. I mean, we're using peripheral vision. I'm looking around. I'm making sure I know what's going on behind me, in front of me, on all sides of me. Um, You know, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of technical uh, things that go go into it to keep everybody safe and, you know, make sure that you all get the best workout and possible. Katie, can we run back to working with a coach? Where you row, do your coaches typically go in speedboats? Um, We typically do not have a coach with us currently. Um, Last season, we were lucky enough to have one of the youth coaches come over and coach for us. But we're typically a group that just kind of runs with it. Um, I've been at other clubs that does go out with a coach launch. And they, um, they seem a little more to not letting the coxswains have a lot of freedom because the coach really does most of the coaching. The coxswain is really just there to steer, keep point, um, you know, make sure that you don't run into anything on the water. So I've had both experiences. So when you, I'd like you to talk us through what is your ideal relationship when you are working, you're in the boat, there's a a coach in a speedboat. What is the ideal working relationship to get the best of both worlds? So I think that, um, you know, knowing what your coach expects of the crew, um, how to keep, you know, will help you keep them motivated and keep them on track. If there's any one particular skill that they, you know, individuals need to be working on, then I can have my technical eye watch for that person's blades specifically, like, oh, my five seat doesn't roll up early enough. I need to keep reminding them of that. Or, you know, maybe my three seat, you know, lays back too far or, you know, my two seat doesn't have enough body angle, stuff like that. Um, I also think that the coach relationship with the coxswain is that we see things that the coach doesn't see inside the boat and we hear different things than a coach would. Um, we're a little more of an in-between. So I think some people might be afraid to approach the coach and be like, hey, I don't know that this really worked out or this wasn't great. You know, what do you think I should do? And then you kind of play the go-between 
um, and be like, hey, you know, I'm hearing this about the workout. Do you think we could maybe try something different? But I think there's a, a high level of trust between the coach and the coxswain because I'll make changes to workout plans like mid practice and stuff like, oh, no, they really need to do the cut the cake drill because nobody's getting that body swing or now everybody's got a row feet out, eyes closed. They are just not getting the hang of this, you know. So you'll throw some stuff like that in. It might not be the coach's plan, but then afterwards you you get that good feeling when the coach is like, oh yeah, that was a great call. (laughs) You were clearly in my crew the other morning. We did both of (laughs) them. So what I'd love though is if most of us, myself included, I am not a coxswain. I have coxed. I'm not a coxswain. Um, How can anyone listening to us today help current and future coxswains develop, Katie? And the main thing that I've found over the years is coxswains rarely get feedback. So, I mean, if you don't like something as a rower, please let us know. If you think we're a little too hard on the rudder or like, hey, we were tipping to this side, were you on the rudder a lot? Um, We just never seem to get that feedback from rowers or coaches. Um, I know that that there's probably not that technical development because not a lot of people are aware of all the things that we're taking care of inside of the boat. But, you know, we need to hear like, oh, yeah, that was a really good call. I liked it when you said that or that really motivated me. Um, You know, so that would that would definitely help out as if we got any sort of feedback. So when you finish an outing, typically a workout, you put the boat back on the rack. Do you all gather around and have a debrief? Currently, no. With the uh, restrictions that we have at the park, our current park, we're honestly off the water an hour before the park closes. That's the restriction that we have. Um, So everybody just gets in, gets out, and moves on. Um, And we typically either talk individually after the fact. Um, But I have been at other clubs that, you know, you get off the water and everybody gets some sort of feedback. But typically your coxswain is still left out because either nobody knows how to give you feedback or, you know, they don't want to like hurt your feelings or anything. Like, oh man, when you said that, that was really terrible. (laughs) Like, you know, (laughs) I, I think that's just one thing that, you know, maybe people aren't aware that, you know, we appreciate feedback as much as a rower does about their technical skill, even if it's just, you know, uh, that didn't motivate me. So. That's really interesting about being frightened of hurting people's feelings. And I, I don't have a particular reflection on that, except to say at the back of my mind, I am always frightened of losing a coxswain. You yeah. guys are rare. You're like a diamond. <laughs> I think in our minds too, you know, there's that little feeling of, oh, you know, if I try something different, is it going to work? Or, you know, so we're afraid just as much as you might be afraid of hurting my feelings to tell me that something didn't work. I'm afraid to try something different because, you know, either this has always worked or I haven't heard anything. So. <laughs> So, yeah. Tell us some of your tips for how do you draw feedback 
out from your master's crews that you work with? Oh, I'm I'm the one that sends the email and been like, you know, I'll I'll ask directly. I'm like, hey, you know, did y'all like it when I did this, or was this motivational, or do you think like this drill could have been executed better? Like, I just ask directly. I do try to ask as open ended as possible, um, but I kind of invite my crews to give me feedback. I mean, and I don't, you know, they, they know like most of my crews that trust me enough will be like, yeah, when you said that, that was terrible, but, (laughs) um, you know, and I'm like, it's not going to hurt my feelings to, to, to hear that at all. I mean, I need to know. So, um, but I think I've also, um, when I was a youth coxswain, we kind of had these like no name surveys that were created. So you didn't get these specific, you know, like nobody had to tell it to your face, but we passed out little surveys for all the the coxswains in a general manner and asked them to like rate us on our steering ability and our motivation and, you know, our calls and stuff. And that was, that was a good system. I might go back to using that with some of the newer uh, learn to row people who might not, you know, be, um, as assimilated into the club as some of the older um, or more experienced or, you know, more, um, you know, they've been around for a longer time. I'd love to ask you a little bit about what the differences are coxing masters compared with the other crews you've coxed in the past. Oh, for sure. That's, that's definitely a hot topic. Um, I found with coxing masters, it's a little more finesse with your words, with your voice. Um, They tend to prefer the non-screaming tactics. They're just funny that. (laughs) I I typically coxed um, the youth boys crew who would you know love to be sworn at and they really like the grunting <laughs> and the groaning and the you know the harsher you were with them the more you told them that they suck and whatever in the boat the more motivated they would get um, the master's crew you kind of have to you know be a little more tactful with your choice of words and but you can still use you know the um the inflections in your voice to like really be like hey you know this this hard 10 i really need it um so that's a good way to you know do that is to keep your you know to use your voice and kind of project what you want from them molly have you got any questions for katie well, I, I was just thinking about how in coaching masters and coxing masters, how flexible the coxswain must have to be because every time you go out, you may be working with a different lineup as True. well. So if you have a different lineup or, or if you're rowing mixed, mixed aid or mixed boats as well as, as men, men or women's boats, um, just the, you know, it's a, it's a whole different skill set, I think, to you know, to draw the best out of that crew, because you've got to perceive what that crew is like right away, because it may not be the same crew you, you know, the crew you practice with on Monday may not be the same lineup you practice with on Wednesday. And, you know, how do you, how do you kind of use some of your intuition 
to work like to communicate with each boat because obviously if you have different skill levels they're going to relate to different levels of communication and, and kind of you know pulling pulling those crews together in a cohesive way is you know not an easy thing to do and a really quick short notice like this is your lineup go you know yeah oh that happens all the time and then you changed it five times before you know you get there or whatever um but i think the main thing is you know in a master's crew specifically without having you know a dedicated coach or whatever um just talking to the crew about what their goal for practice is before mm -hmm. you get out there and then realizing like we we've got a lot of boats right now that are half have people that are post learned to row and more experienced rowers. So just saying like, Hey, we're going to work on patience today. Um, you know, with the newer folks and we're really going to develop their skill on this. So kind of giving your experienced crew members, the expectation, um, to allow you to help develop your, um, more beginner or like novice crew members. Um, I also think, allowing the novices to have some sort of a say, even though they might not know what that say is, mm -hmm. is um, kind of giving them the choice. Like I always try to get them to buy in to the mm -hmm. yeah. workout. So, I mean, with masters, I feel like you have to do that. Like if they feel like they made this choice, then they're more likely to execute it than you telling them what to do. And that might just be adults in general, but <laughs> right. I definitely think that that's something that, you know, needs to be. I think that's really true. It's a great insight into the difference between coaching adults and children. And more than that, in coaching adults where some are competitive and wanting to race and some of them are not, I think that pay it forward concept that you described, Katie, is a really essential part of a healthy functioning masters rowing group. Yes, and especially like you said, if you don't have time for the debrief, afterwards just be because of the timing of when you get off the water in the practice having that few minutes before practice and you know kind of getting like you said if you've got a different crew all the time getting everybody on the same page especially when you read the lineup and say oh, okay well we've got you know two people who are just out of learn to row integrating with six people who are relatively experienced and kind of setting the stage for that so that so that everybody has a good experience and it's not a, a frustrating experience for e either skill level, you know, having to find your drills and your exercises that can integrate them. You know, it, 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 I think it takes a lot of insight and, and, you know, master's crews are much more likely to be mixed in skill level. So yeah. I think there's a bigger challenge there for the coxswain because you're the coach in the boat on one level. And at the same time, you're part of the crew Right. Which is a different role than being a coach, right? So Yeah. Um, I also think it's hard to at the master's level. Um, like our Cox does it use, but we've had um coxswains come in at the master's level and just not having that role or not understanding what that role does, I think they appreciate it a little bit more um when they have to kind of step into that. Um, there's just a little, they're a little more 
willing to do it because they understand how necessary it is to be out on the water. Whereas mm -hmm. like the youth teams, you kind of always have a coxswain. It's, it's part of the crew that's, you know, they recruit you for that specific role. But for masters, everyone that jumps in to learn to row, um, typically at most clubs that I've been at has also learned to cox as well. There's kind of this just rotation through masters. Um, I usually, I just really like it. I enjoy the adrenaline rush that you get from the racing and, you know, just being able to develop everyone else's skills, um, you know, do technique you have, um, At your club, do you have any type of a system where, where each person rotates through, through coxing? Like, like one club I rode with um, in Florida, you know, they just had a system set up that, you know, they went down the lineup and they were just always rotating who rode. And then the next, you know, you were in the bow seat. Okay. Now you cox the next practices, you know, blah, 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 blah. The next person who's in the bow seat, they cox the next practice. And it was just kind of, they just had a systematic way that everybody, you know, once every nine practices, you would, you would have your turn coxing. Um, not currently. We have about 12 people that have gone through what I'll, basically call our learn to cox program where you know they've gotten checked off on the coxswain skills um and they will jump into like club practices occasionally i was at one crew or um one club where they would put up i think it was on a doodle or something and you could do like a half cox half row practice so oh, they yeah. you know the coach would switch you halfway so that you're still getting half of a workout and then if we were just short on you know what i'll call true coxswains i guess um we would we would fill in with you know the the actual rowers to to make up those um positions so that, that's fun if you have a like a coxed quad this tour yeah. i used to train with down in florida that's what we would do we would we would five people you had a coxswain and everybody would rotate you know everybody would rotate through if you did a long row so everybody would get a little break coxing and and uh, every, everybody would row at the same time too. So yeah, that's so a I think way to that, do tours. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, I think that works out really well because you know you don't feel like you're slacking off on your workout. Um, Cause that is something that um, as a youth coxswain, I always felt like I had to do other sports as well because I never, I never got the workout. So oh, how, yeah. was, how was I going to stay in shape? Because even in erg practices and stuff, you're the one that's going around motivating them, making sure their splits are kept under. So the half cox, half row practices are, you know, really more of my, um, my speed at the master's level. <laughs> that's wonderful. Now to our listeners, if you're listening and you've heard anything today, just one thing that has been useful or helpful for your own rowing, please consider supporting the podcast with a monthly donation. Go to fastermastersrowing.com forward slash podcast and subscriptions start at $1 a month. You choose how much you give. Now, when Katie and I were setting up this uh, discussion, we both said we must mention Chelsea Domert's book, which is called Coaching the Coxswain. And this is a fantastic ebook. It's available on Amazon. And if you just search for the words coaching the coxswain, it has the most marvelous name, which is that it is 
a guide for the rowing coach who never coxed. And of course, that is precisely what Katie was explaining to us earlier, that it's really challenging. If you're coaching and you've never coxed, how can you be expected to give good instruction to your athletes? And in fact, in the opening sentences of the book, she writes, do not give this book to your coxswain. <laughs> Although, in fact, it actually is useful to give it to your coxswain in the end. But she explains exactly what you should be doing. So, Katie, what are your recollections of this book and why was it useful for you? Oh, well, um, the fact that it started off with the type of coxswains that you don't want um, where it had like the yeller and the, you know, the little quiet mousy one. And um, that kind of uh, spoke to me because I guess I always felt like I wondered where I fit in that, um, you know, like how was I chosen to be a coxswain and like, did I fit any of these categories before I really developed? Um, but, you know, Chelsea goes through some great, great aspects of steering and, you know, mastering your docking and what to look for. And um, she definitely nails the racing portion, you know, setting up your race plan, how to use your coxswain to um, set that race plan with the crew, the expectations of what a coach would expect from a coxswain. Also, and also she is, um, She's very good about acknowledging the fact that the coxswain does have a more personal relationship with the rowers than the coach does. So all of those aspects are, you know, just speak out to me having read the book, you know, years after coxing myself. So. Yeah, that's quite interesting. The reflection that I kind of wish I'd had this a little earlier in my career. Right. <laughs> She also did a couple of follow-up books, um, which uh, I will see if I can find um, where they are. But they one was called Coaching the Coxswain on Tough Stuff, and the other was Coaching the Coxswain Using Their Audio Recordings. Mm. Have you ever recorded yourself, Katie, as you I do. Yes, um, I do all the time, actually. <laughs> I have a Cox Orb Platinum that auto-records all of my practice pieces out there, and so I download them, and um, I have a women's four that I've been working with for a few years now, and I'll send the recordings out to them, too, to be like, hey, you know, what do you, what do you think of this one? I thought this one was okay, but this one didn't, you know, this one wasn't so hot, so, um, but that's another thing that I find too, is that there's very few um, coaches out there who like really listen to recordings and kind of give you feedback on that. So that might be another aspect that if there were um, some coaches maybe that do cox a lot or coxswains, other coxswains maybe, that would be something that I think we could, you know, as a, as a, as a rowing um genre we could develop more that's an excellent suggestion and uh it's been such a long time since i've worked with a coach you know in a boat for a coxed crew because i tend to skull um mm -hmm. but that's just, i've completely forgotten that that was really really important any final words before we wrap up 
Well, I think I think this insight is so valuable, Katie, too. And and you know, I I think coxswains for masters really need more support out there for sure because because this the skill set is and the as everything in masters rowing, you know, the the variety of the people, the personalities, the age groups. I mean, in an eight, you might have someone who's in their early 30s and somebody who is in their late 60s or early 70s all in the same crew. And that's not something that happens in a scholastic program or usually a senior program. You know, everyone's approximately the same age. So, um, you know, just talking and supporting coxswains out there about, you know, these are these are this, you know, the interpersonal skills that you need to develop and be aware of, you know, I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's like any good communication, but, you know, you're also dealing with steering, whether running a workout, perceiving what's going on in the crew, thinking about, okay, well, what calls do I make to improve this practice if things are going a little bit haywire, right? How do you draw people together and different skill sets? And, you know, so what more could you deal with? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, if I could add just one more thing too about a coxswain is I think it's important for us to know how to row, um, you know, just so we, because we're in that boat, so we can help with that technical aspect. So, I mean, I don't just cox, I mean, I skull and I sweep as well, but I feel like everyone needs to learn every role in rowing, at least at the master's level, maybe you know, your youth is very specific because you're almost always with a coach, but for groups that don't have that, just having everybody have that, that very, even just a broad knowledge of what each role does and is intended to do. Um, that's super helpful to just improve everybody and keep, you know, a really positive atmosphere. I agree. And yeah. I think that that flows across into Cox's boats as well. Everyone should learn how to stroke. Everyone should learn how to steer. Everyone should learn how to do the calls. They should be able to sit in, you know, any seat in the boat. Yeah, notwithstanding if you only row port, you obviously only get the port seats. But those are really, really important skills. And flexibility is the watchword for any master's program. You have to deal with what comes up. And there's an awful lot that comes up, as my week has shown me this week. <laughs> So this has been Faster Masters Rowing Radio, the show dedicated to masters athletes who want fun, fitness and confidence in their rowing. You can become a student of the sport by buying a Faster Masters Rowing program subscription today at fastermastersrowing.com forward slash join. Till next time. Bye bye. <laughs>